The Lord be with you. Way back in 2003, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority rolled out with one of the most successful and recognizable marketing slogans of all time. Does anyone remember what it was? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Variations on the theme. And here's the thing. Pretty much anyone with even the slightest crumb of insight or reflective life experience can tell you that this is a laughably fantastic and ridiculous lie. It's a first-order bit of willful self-deception that many people are happy to play along with, I guess, because what happens in Vegas most assuredly does not stay in Vegas. The outcomes and the consequences of all those wild weekends have a reach and a range well beyond the Nevada borderlands. I will say this much, though. They are honest about one thing, because most of the time, it's your money that stays in Vegas. But the rest of the wounds and the debts and the damages you take home with you, or they go home with someone else. The notion that we can isolate or disconnect or detach our activities from the rest of the world is a dangerously selfish delusion. One of the great lies of our age and maybe any age. One of my favorite historians and philosophers, Will Durant, put it this way. Our individual separateness is, in a sense, illusory. We are profoundly connected to our world and its inhabitants in more ways than we can ever know. Our networks and our economies, the water we drink, the food we eat, the waste we produce, the air we breathe, the land that we use and abuse, the microbes we share and the pathogens we incubate, these are just a few of the ways that we are enmeshed with the world. We are each a part of a great whole. When compared with the four Gospels, the letters of the New Testament where we find ourselves today are a very different sort of writing. The Gospel accounts were concerned with identifying and celebrating the person and mission of Jesus Christ. The Christ in the world story. The word-made-flesh story. The great cosmic, down-to-earth story. These letters of scripture, along with the book of Acts, they give us little fragmentary glimpses of the early days of the church. When the very first questions and problems for a community like this began to present themselves. These little glimpses show us the efforts of a new people of God doing this long work. Their first meetings and disagreements, the earliest theological questions about how the church should live and act. There were some hard problems, and there were some difficult people. Now, as we carry on this same work, the church is still grappling with many of these same hard problems 
And some of these same difficult people, although none, none of them are in this room right now, I assure you. We are earthlings, though. And our stories are always down-to-earth stories. As a starting point, though, it's, it's worth asking, how does the down-to-earth stories of the church fit into this cosmic Christ story? What is the church's place in all of this? Well, today's text in Ephesians sure takes a crack at answering this. The letter to Ephesians opens with an amazing, famous bit of stylistic flair. It's an oddity of scripture and one that scholars have considered and dissected and debated about for centuries. And what I'm talking about is the spectacular run-on sentence that opens the chapter, and it's our text for today. Rambling, meandering, overflowing with expressive terms and exuberant language, tripping over itself with enthusiasm. It's an absolute train wreck of a sentence. English teachers, get out your red pens. And if I had any say in the matter, which I promise you I do not, I would ask that our modern translators would keep this mega sentence all as it is. Gordon, you could have taken one enormous breath and just rattled it off for us this morning. I know you could have done it. We would have, we would have clapped for that one for sure. That would have been impressive. But alas, here in our English Bibles, we have the super sentence from Ephesians broken up into tidy little chunks with English grammar and punctuation. What this opening lacks in form, it makes up for, though, in substance. And it's a lot. There's a lot of overlapping themes. A few highlights include the assertion that we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Destined for adoption as God's children, the way Don highlighted for us today. It names a glorious grace freely bestowed on us. And there's so much more in there. But for me, the standout line in that entire mega sentence is this. In Christ, the plan for the fullness of time is to gather up all things in him. Things in heaven and things in earth. This is everything. Now, many of you could probably name the theological concepts or beliefs that give you the most trouble or questions, and I hope this is the sort of church community that lets you voice those questions sometimes. Maybe sometimes when we recite the Apostles' Creed, there's a line that's really hard for you to process. Or maybe you can think of that Sunday school story, that lesson that still makes you scratch your head and ponder the vast mystery of it all. Now, if I could name that thing, it's this amazing promise right here. The galactic theological theme that opens the Ephesians letter is the assertion that the maker of the whole universe is working to bring everything together. Everything. (laughs) Reaching across the chasms that separate galaxy clusters with the end goal of healing and blessing the universe in the place where we are, we really are 
all in this together, people. Because everything we do, every thought, every friendship, every breath and bite and gulp of life with all its struggle, each word we speak and every time we lift our hands or our fists or give voice to our celebrations and complaints, it it all happens in our corner of a beautiful and mind-boggling catastrophe of a cosmos on this little chunk of wet rock populated, populated by so many spectacular creatures and some of them are even human. As wild as this sounds, this is the place where God put people to live and it's the place that God promises to repair. The God that gathers in the stars reaches out to gather us in. The thing is though, one thing you'll learn pretty early on if you start hanging around a church and you join us in worship and you volunteer for events is that church is typically not what you'd call a cosmic experience. Church life involves plenty of so-called ordinary practices with phone calls and voicemails and meetings and budgets and maintenance and repairs and a lot of trips to the grocery store. A lot of cups of coffee, wiping tables, washing dishes, stacking chairs, serving simple meals, sharing space and time. And it's not always in the sanctuary even where the good stuff happens. It's conversations in hallways and parking lots, back alleys. The thing is though, In time and with a little bit of perspective, those so-called mundane moments begin to shine with an absolutely cosmic radiance. It happens when we share those moments with the grateful, blessed folks who are just as amazed to find themselves in our company as we are in theirs. When people show up and share a piece of themselves with us, the the miracles that happen in those places, they echo far and wide. What happens in the company of saints finds its way into the world. This is the plot of the story. This is our starting point. Friends, the, the universe is a miracle. The earth is a gift The human race is a marvel, and the gathered company of saints with hearts full of gratitude, that's a miracle too. All because we name a work of grace that is wider and more varied than we can ever know, connecting connecting us in ways that we couldn't possibly have imagined. Maybe you've heard by now, but we're starting a summer series in the letter of Ephesians. And I hope that this letter, in the careful hands of our summer preachers, can be a guide for a church like ours. As we take a little bit of effort and time to trace and discover the grace that surrounds us. The grace that sustains us. As collectively, we consider what shape our community of saints might take in the days ahead. What might we do? What reverberations might we send out into the world? 
as we dream of outcomes and surprises with a reach and a range far, far beyond a little church like ours. And so, might we continue to be peacemakers, reconcilers, reconcilers, celebrants, grateful, astonished people who see ourselves and our part in this great redemptive gathering, the gathering in of all things. Amen. Thanks be to God.